And we are in part three of our Grace Form series. And if you remember, I made up this word, Grace Form, right? To describe what God is doing in all of our lives. And it comes from Romans chapter 2, verse 4, where it says it's God's kindness that is intended to lead people to repentance, to turn from their sin. It's God's kindness that draws us in, and it's God's kindness that leads us out into a transformed life. And we use the image of a butterfly, right? A, a caterpillar going into its chrysalis and turning into this butterfly. And being a big, fat caterpillar is not, or you cannot be, everything that God intended for it to be. Right? A, a caterpillar has been created and is intended to be a beautiful butterfly. But in order to get to that beautiful butterfly, you have to go through, it has to go through that chrysalis phase, that dark, lonely, isolated, tough phase. And that oftentimes is the phase that we want to avoid. <laughs> we don't want to go there. We don't want to deal with that. We want to get in and out as quickly as possible. But that is the very thing that God uses to transform our life the most. And so in week one in this series, we met a guy named Paul who was a Pharisee. His name was Saul at the time, and he was on the road to Damascus. And Jesus showed up and met him right there and blinded him and altered his life forever. Jesus also then was speaking to a guy named Ananias and said, I need you to go meet this guy named Saul, and I need you to go restore his sight. And, and he does. And we, we learned in that sermon that it's God's kindness that leads us to faith in Christ, saving faith, salvation. And it's God's kindness that leads a believer to a growing faith in Christ, a sanctifying faith. It's God's kindness or grace that saves us, and it's God's kindness or grace that transforms our life. It's always by God's grace. And then last week, we looked at how we could trust God with our money, with the things that God has entrusted to us. And it's really a challenge that God offers to all of us and says, just try it. Because it's hard to give something valuable away, to just give it away, something that means a lot to you, something that you've invested a lot in, to just give it away. And God says, when you do that, it grows your faith because God shows up in that moment in a way that he's never done before and shows how faithful he is to you. And so we looked at the, a Pharisee like Saul that they were doing all the right things on the outside, but they were missing the whole point on the inside. They were far from God. And so today we're going to catch back up with our good friends, Paul and his buddy, Silas. And we're going to see in another episode in their life how God is continuing to grace form their life and continuing to grace form the lives of the people around him. And so if you have your Bible, turn with me to Acts chapter 16 today. We're going to be in this passage the entire time, so you could turn there. And we're going to just go slowly through. 
If you don't have a Bible, I would love to send you home with a free Bible today. Just grab one in the lobby on your way out and uh, take it home with you as a free gift from us. It's important. And so uh, if you don't have your Bible with you, the words will be on the screen behind me. We're going to be in Acts chapter 16 today. We're going to jump in in verse 22. And like I said, our buddies Saul and Paul or Silas, it says a mob quickly formed against them and the city officials ordered them stripped and beaten with wooden rods. And they were severely beaten. And then they were thrown in prison. And the jailer was ordered to make sure they didn't escape. And so the jailer put them in the inner dungeon and clamped their feet in stocks. <laughs> Talk about a chrysalis phase if there ever was one, right? <laughs> He's got everyone mad at them. He's even been beaten by them. And he's been put in jail, in prison, in the inner dungeon, locked up. You have to ask the question, how did they get here? <laughs> how did you get to this particular instance? And for the answer to that, you have to read the verses leading up to verse 22. And so a short story of that is that Paul and Silas were on a missionary journey. And they were following God, and they were trying to go somewhere, and they were actually prevented from going there. And they got a vision in the middle of the night, Paul did, and there was a man from Macedonia calling out saying, come over and help us. And so Paul and Silas and his travel partners, they went to Macedonia, and they found that it wasn't a man in the vision, it was actually a woman. And her name was Lydia, a wealthy woman. And Paul led her to faith in Jesus, and her life was transformed. And then they were continuing on their journey, and they came to the city of Philippi. And in the city of Philippi, they found a young slave girl who had an amazing ability. She could predict who was going to win the next World Cup game this afternoon. She could predict the future. And if you knew who was going to win later today you'd make a lot of money, wouldn't you? And that's exactly what the owners of this girl was doing. They were making money off of her ability to predict the future. And so this girl, she was harassing Paul and Silas. And finally, Paul just had enough. And so he said, demon, get out of this girl. And the demon went away. And guess who was very upset? The slave girl's masters, right? Because now their source of income was no longer available to them. And they were, they were in cahoots with the city officials. And so they were, you know, they were mad. Talk got around. They said, city officials, you better do something about Paul and Silas. They've been, they took away all our good money. And so the city officials came and they put them in jail. And sometimes we look at the negative circumstances in our life. And we wonder, how did we get here? We must have done something wrong. And certainly, bad choices usually eventually lead to bad circumstances, right? 
But sometimes you are following God. You are doing exactly what he wants you to do, and he leads you to what we perceive to be a negative circumstance. And so what do you do when you're in that space? What do you do when you are in that chrysalis phase? What do you do? What did Paul and Silas do? We read in the next verse that they sang. They sang. Around midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening. Some of you know exactly what this is like. It's hard to sleep. It's hard to calm your mind and and just, you know, it's midnight, and you're like, I just want to go to bed. And I told you about a short season of my life where that was my story in, in our Songs of Summer series over the summer. And I went to bed every night listening to the same song, kind of on repeat over and over again. That's a hard, hard place to be. But God does something extraordinary when we sing in the middle of our storm. It transforms our soul like almost nothing else does. And it helps us get through those hard times. That's what Paul and Silas were doing. They couldn't do anything else. I mean, they were locked up. Their, their feet were locked in chains. Their hands were locked in chains. They couldn't move around. The only thing they could do was talk and speak and use their, their words. And being able to sing, to worship God in the middle of a hard place is a huge testimony to your faith and a huge witness to the people around you of what, there's something different about these people. Because wouldn't you think that the people around you, that they, they're thinking this guy, Paul and Silas, they should be complaining right now, right? How did I get out in here? This is cold, this is damp, I'm stuck, I wanna get out of here, this is terrible, I don't want this, right? Or what about they should have been frustrated? Like they were doing this amazing thing for God. They were following Jesus. They were on this missionary journey, and here they are stuck in jail. That's frustrating. Or, or maybe they thought that they should be angry, angry at God. I can't believe that God would allow this to happen. He must have abandoned me. He must have left me. I can't believe God. Right? You would think that that would be maybe what the prisoners, the other people around them were expecting. But instead, what were the people doing? Everybody say it. They were singing. Let's try that again, everybody. They were? There we go. All right, that's a little better, a little better. They were singing. And when we do what we can do, right, That's all we can do. We can do what we can do. God does what God can do. God does what only he can do. And so enter the earthquake. Look what happens next. It says, suddenly there was a massive earthquake, and the prison was shaken to its foundation, and all the doors immediately flew open, and the chains of every prisoner (laughs) fell off. Talk about a miracle, right? 
a little bit of a traumatic miracle, I'm sure, right? If there's a massive earthquake that's shaking the prison, that's opening doors and knocking chains off of people, like this is crazy. It's a miracle. And how encouraging is it to know that God hears our prayers? God hears our songs in the middle of the night and God shows up in incredible ways as only he can show up and rescues us and shows up and does miracles, incredible things in our life. The prison was shaking. And you know, God's maybe never gotten you out of prison before. Or if he has, he probably hasn't used an earthquake to do it, right? But we've all been stuck. Stuck in our own pattern of thinking. Stuck in our wrong belief about something. Stuck in a habit that we just can't break. We've all been stuck and wondering, how are we ever going to get through this? How are we ever going to get out of this? How are we ever going to... And God shines a light into that dark chrysalis phase place. And you, it has to be God. There's nobody else that's going to do that. And, he, and you, he puts that faith in your heart to follow him and to trust him and to lead you. And you follow that light, and it leads you through. And you look back on that thing in your life, maybe months or years later, and you're like, only God, right? Only God. Only God could get me through that. Only God could lead me through that. Only God could give me the strength to deal with that. Only God could bring me through, right? Only God. And so God is transforming, grace-forming Paul and Silas's life in this moment. But God is, is not just dealing with them. He's dealing with the people around Paul and Silas. And so here comes the next guy, the jailer. And the jailer, it says, woke up to see the prison doors wide open. And he assumed that the prisoners had escaped. So he drew his sword to kill himself. Now in first century Roman world, the jailer was in charge of his prisoners. And he had to protect them, he had to keep them safe, he had to make sure that they stayed in the jail. And if they didn't, if somebody got out, it was his life that was to pay. And so all the doors are open, everybody's free, he knows, everyone's gone, they're going to kill me eventually and I don't really want to see how they're going to do that, so I'm just going to do it myself. And obviously, that is a very bad place to be. And if any of you or anybody listening to this are anywhere near making a decision like that, I want you to know that there is great hope for you, that you are loved by everyone in this room, that you are loved by God that you can get through this with his help. And I just encourage you just to, to tell somebody because when you keep it to yourself, it, it just festers and it grows and it gets worse. And, but if you tell somebody, we're going to do everything that we could possibly do to help you, 
to connect you with somebody that could help you, to pray for you, to encourage you. Don't keep it to yourself. We really do want to help. There's no shame in saying anything, right? There's, no, there's nothing of like that sort. We just want to love you and do our best to care for you. And so just let somebody know. But that's where this jailer was. And he was debating this. He was thinking about it. And all of a sudden, he hears a shout from somebody. He didn't think anyone was there. And so he heard from Paul, shout, stop, don't kill yourself. We are all here. Don't do it. We are all here. That's the most amazing verse I think I've ever read in the entire Bible. The prison is open. They are free. And Paul and Silas, sure, they were followers of Jesus. They could have stayed. All the prisoners were there. What an incredible like, leadership influence that Paul and Silas had on the prisoners around them. They must have heard them singing, must have heard them praying. They're probably asking them, why are you in jail? What did you do? What did you do? And they're like, you know, Paul's telling the story. And in the moment when you would have thought everyone would have ran, everyone would have escaped, everyone would have gone their own separate ways, all of the people in that prison, they stuck together. <laughs> they were thinking about each other. They were thinking about one another, and they knew exactly what would have happened to the jailer if they would left. And so all their prayers about God, and, and he loves us, and he's with us, and he cares about us, and all those prayers and all those songs that they were singing, worshiping this God and saying, oh, he loves, right? In this moment, they were able to put it into action, and to love that jailer like nobody else has probably ever loved that jailer. And to care for that jailer like nobody ever has cared for that jailer. And it all shouted, started with a shout, didn't it? Hey! <laughs> Wake up, everybody! Come on, right? We're here! Listen! We're here! We're here! We're here! Who are you shouting at? in your life. We are all, everybody's going through life thinking that they've got it all figured out, that they're doing the right thing, that they're, they're making all the best decisions that they can for themselves. And it's so obvious, maybe sometimes it's not the right decision, but they think it is. They need somebody to shout at them, to get at them, to get their attention, to, to do whatever they have to do to get their attention. Come on, somebody, wake up, wake up. You're missing the point, right? We need to be those people to get in somebody's face sometimes and say, come on, don't do this. This is bad. You're, you're messing your life up. There is something so much better for your life that you haven't even considered. Like, we have to get people's attention, like, do something wild for a change or something, right? They're shouting and getting the jailer's attention, and they got the jailer's attention. And so, look what happens. The jailer called for lights. 
and ran to the dungeon and fell down trembling before Paul and Silas. This shook him to the core. It floored him like, what? I can't, this, is, this can't be true. This can't happen. Like if a prison had no walls, if a prison had no barbed wire around the outside, if a prison didn't have eight million doors controlled by somebody in a control room, right? How many people would be in that prison? No one. Because that's what prisons are designed to do, to keep you in. And so when you are free to go, you are free to go. And yet here they are. They stayed. And this jailer is flabbergasted. How about that word? Just what? And so he asked the question, what must I do to be saved? The most important question anyone could ever ask, that you could ever ask, what must I do to be saved? And certainly, Paul and Silas have earned the right to be asked this question, right? Like they should not have been there, but they were. What must I do to be saved? I've heard you talking. I've heard you praying. I've heard you singing in the middle of the night while you were in jail. There's no reason for you to do that. What must I do to be saved? And I think that this is a great goal for every follower of Jesus to have, that you would be trusted enough that you would have built a genuine friendship with somebody strong enough that when they have spiritual questions, they're going to ask you those questions. Like that is such a good goal, I think, for a Christian to have, that you are great you know, friends and trusted enough that when somebody who is spiritually disconnected has questions about God, as everybody does, that they would trust you enough to ask you this question, what must I do to be saved? And what's the answer? Acts 16, 31, they replied, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved along with everybody in your household. Believe, that's it, believe, believe in Jesus, nothing else, no more, no less, believe in what Jesus has done for you. It will transform your life, and not only your life, but also your entire household. And so look how the gospel expands and the good news goes forward into the rest of the household. It says, they shared the word of the Lord with him and with all who lived in his household. The Greek word is the word oikos. And if you have joined us before the service at 930, volunteer meetings and huddle meetings, um, we've talked about this every single week. And if you haven't been there before, I encourage you to come and be a part of that time because we remind each other that we are to pray and to care and to share Jesus with our oikos, those 8 to 15 people that God has strategically and providentially placed in our lives, this household idea. 
And so the good news goes forward into the household, and even at that hour of the night, the jailer cared for them and washed their wounds. Then he and everyone in his household were immediately baptized, and he brought them into his house and set a meal before them, and he and his entire household rejoiced because they all believed in God. Even at like 2 a.m., 3 a.m., all of this stuff is happening because it just is so incredible. It's so amazing. The good news is, is going into their, their whole household, the whole family. They're getting baptized. They're believing in Jesus. It's amazing what's going on. He feeds them a meal. He goes from a prisoner in a wet, inner, dark jail cell to sleeping in somebody's house. Amazing. And so here's the key from this passage to our grace form vision. What did Paul and Silas do? They could have left, but instead they chose to stay. To stay. Stay in that chrysalis phase. Stay there and get everything that God wants to give you in that moment. Because everything inside of us wants to move on and to avoid and to forget and to get out of there as fast as possible. We want, are always thinking about what's next, that next job or that next relationship or that next friendship or that next opportunity. Like, what about what's happening right now? Like, what about what's happening, like, literally right now in these moments, what God is doing right now in your heart, right now in your mind, right now in strengthening in your faith. What is he doing right now in these moments? We need to stay in these moments and get everything that God wants to get, give us and be transformed in all the ways that God wants to transform us. We got to stay. And there's a difference between staying because you have to and staying because you want to. One is prison and the other is transformation. And I want to tell you a, a brief story of a time in my life. I was in college and uh, I was in the library working and studying or doing something and uh, I forget all the details, but all of a sudden there was a commotion that started near the restrooms in the, in, the, uh, in the library. And of course, the library's quiet, you know, everyone's studying and, and not being loud, but all of a sudden everyone started talking and there was commotion happening near the bathrooms. And I think it was a lot of them were, were girls that were gathering out there and who knows, you know, what they were trying to figure it all out. But anyway, they heard, like, screaming coming from the guy's restroom like like a bad like just yelling like frustrated like just just bad okay and so they had to figure out like in their self like what do you do about this screaming situation in the restroom and so I guess I don't think I was super far away um, but I think one of the girls came over to me and said, hey, there's some guy, like, yelling in the restroom. Like, maybe you can help him. And, like, to be honest, right, everything inside of me was like, no. 
Like, are you serious? Like, I'd rather leave this library and walk away than go in there because I don't want to do that. And, and like, why me? Like, out of all the people in the, in, the, in the whole, I don't know, the whole campus, like, why me? Like, I'm the worst person to go into this situation and help this, I don't know, who knows what's happened. It's bad. No one just, like, screams and yells in the bathroom and everything's fine, you know? And so, uh, you know, I was a free person, right? I was not locked in. I was not shackled in at all. I had the freedom to get up, to leave that library and never think about it again. But there was something that moved in my heart. Maybe God spoke to me in that moment and said, you better go in there. I said, okay, I'm gonna, I'll go in. And so like I said, there's commotion outside the bathroom and you know they're trying to figure it out and I go in. And the guy who was yelling and screaming and stuff, he, he stopped screaming. And I think it was because that I, like, entered into his space. And it kind of, like, woke him up to the, the mindset that he was stuck in. And I actually recognized this guy. He was a freshman, and I had actually spoken to him before. And I just said, hey, like, are you okay? Like, and he said, yeah, I'm fine. And I said, I, you know, I'm like, are you sure? Like, are you, like, this is weird. Like, this is not okay. This is not normal. Like, are you okay? Are you going to be okay? And he assured me that he was going to be okay. And so I, I left and I, you know, went back out and I assured the crowd that, you know, he was going to be okay. But those are the moments. Those little moments that is the difference between staying because you have to and staying because you want to. One is prison, the other is transformation. You enter into a situation like that, there's no reason to do that, right? I didn't have to do that. I didn't want to do it. And just like Paul and Silas, they could have left. The, the jail was open, the shackles were open, they were free, they were free to go. But they were also free to choose to stay. They were also free to choose to stay. They were choosing to sing in the middle of their struggle, in the middle of their dark place. They were singing. And they were choosing to do this together with everybody that was in that jail. All the other prisoners, all the other, you know, the jailer, they were in this together. And because they did those things, they, they earned the right to be asked this incredible question of what can I do to be saved? And the answer, they believed, and they believed not only transformed the jailer's life, but also his entire household, his entire oikos. They were free to go, but they chose to stay, to sing together. They asked those questions, and their oikos was transformed. And so... Let's look one more time at the grace form stories in this passage. Paul and Silas, they were following God, and they ended up in jail, in that dark, lonely, locked up, can't move, can't do anything place. 
And it's in that place that God showed up, sent an earthquake to free them. Amazing. But the best thing that happened to Paul and Silas was also the worst thing that happened to the jailer. And the jailer is contemplating taking his own life when Paul and Silas choose to stay, to enter back into that situation that they were freed from, to enter back into it and stay, to say, we love you, we are here for you, we're in this together. They were singing about it, they were praying about it, but they had an opportunity in that moment to back up what they were saying with their actions. They were there to care and to love. And the jailer asked, you know, how can I be saved? And, and they told him the, the answer. They believed in Jesus. They were baptized. And, and the jailer, his entire family was changed because of it. And all because Paul and Silas chose to stay in that moment. And now there's certainly things that we must run from, right? We can't just stay around everything. God calls us to flee some things. But everything inside of us wants to move on. Everything inside of us wants to avoid the hard times. Everything inside of us wants to move, uh, avoid the difficult situations and the, the, the pain and the, the doubt and the, the questions. And we just want to skip it and we want to move on. But the greatest transformation happens in those moments. And so when we've been through that, when God has transformed our life and grace formed our life and we're on the other side of that, we experience this butterfly feeling, this amazing freedom of being transformed by God. But that freedom isn't just for you. That freedom allows you to choose to go back into that dark chrysalis phase and maybe enter it in with somebody else, to stay with somebody else, and God is going to use you in that moment to help grace form their life as well when we choose to stay. So God, we thank you so much for your love for us, of what you're doing in our life, That, God, you've freed us, you've, you've healed us, you've forgiven us, you've transformed our life, and it's amazing, and we thank you for it, God. But, Lord, help us to use the freedom that you've given us to show up in somebody else's dark chrysalis phase and meet them right there and say, I'm here with you. I love you. You don't have to do this alone. I'm going to walk with you every step of the way. Not because I have to, but because God has literally changed my life, and now I am here with you, no matter what. So, Lord, I pray that you would use us in this way to walk with people, to shout them down if we need to, and be with them, to hold their hand, to, to give them a, a warm embrace all the way through, to pray with them, to care for them. And, God, as we do that, we just believe that you are transforming lives. And it's so good to be a part of that. Lord Jesus, thank you. Help us to do that in Jesus' name. Amen.